Welcome to the Holmes Politicast. I'll be your host today. Uh, <clears throat> well, it seems that the federal government has passed a bill to make Juneteenth a national holiday. For those who don't know, Juneteenth celebrates the end of slavery. What happened was that <clears throat> many of the southern states did not recognize uh the Emancipation Proclamation and the 13th Amendment, <clears throat> which abolished slavery. And Juneteenth is when Texas was the last holdout, and they finally surrendered, surrendered, surrendered their slaves and abolished slavery in their state. And so that was on June 15th. And so uh, they started celebrating uh, in pockets. Uh, around the country um the, june, june 15th as the day that slavery officially ended all across the united states over the years it's become more and more popular like i really didn't hear about it until i was in my 30s was the first time i had heard about it and it's just become a, probably uh i would imagine <clears throat> a large part of it was barack obama I think he made it a national issue. He, he started talking about it because I really didn't hear about it much, it, maybe not at all. Uh, and, and, and I could just be ignorant. It may have been around and I just did, wasn't paying attention. But that's when I started to notice it. And that's when it started to become a regular thing. Obama every year, talk about Juneteenth. Donald Trump every year recognized Juneteenth. <clears throat> so, um, so anyway, they're going to, they're passing a law, I guess, to make it a national holiday, which I'm not opposed to. I mean, I don't really mind, uh, you know, <clears throat> that we recognize that day. We have celebrations, or at least we used to, to celebrate the end of wars. Um, we've kind of, like we used to have VJ Day and VE Day, which is victory over Europe and victory over Japan. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and uh, so, so we've had celebrations before things so i mean i don't really have a big problem with it i mean i i mean i could go either way i mean it, it it doesn't really bother me to have a celebration for juneteenth it also wouldn't bother me if they voted it down i mean it's not juneteenth is in our hearts you know uh <laughs> um i mean it, you know it's just it's just something that you know it's it's a personal thing if you like it great if you don't you don't i mean it's not really it doesn't have to have a holiday you know but you know, because it's it's really something, it's a personal thing that like, oh, wow, yeah, slavery was abolished. That's great. You know, um, so, I, you know, <clears throat> but anyway, there's actually there's not really any controversy about it. Uh, I haven't heard anybody really coming out ag against it. But <clears throat> I'm sure there will be some people who will be opposed to it, more than likely, not because they're racist, but. You know, do we really need another holiday? Do we really, you know, blah, 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 stuff like this. And they may have some points. I haven't heard their arguments yet, but uh, <clears throat> but I, I don't have a big problem with it. So that'll be kind of interesting next year if it, if it, actually, if it, if it signed into law, which I imagine it would be by Obama. I don't see why it wouldn't be signed into law. <clears throat> no, I'm, by Biden. I don't know why I said Obama. Uh, speaking of which, Biden is currently, as this is being recorded in 
his first summit meeting with President Putin of Russia. Uh, <clears throat> it's supposed to be like a five-hour meeting. I mean, that's a long, long meeting. Uh, I don't know what all they have to discuss and why it would take so long. Uh, you know, this is in the middle of the Cold War. It's not like we're having to work out negotiations for, um, you know, weapons and weapons reductions or whether we're going to have missiles in Turkey or, you know, this kind of thing. I mean, I, I'm really not sure what all they're discussing. I mean, I, I mean, I know some of the issues they're discussing, but I'm saying I don't know what it's going to take a long time. I mean, you know, Biden will ask Putin, did you are you involved in any way in uh, hacking our election? He'll say no. OK, are you involved in any way with the hacking of our oil pipelines? He'll say no. Are you involved? You know, I mean, uh, <clears throat> you bring up the things Putin's going to deny it. He's not he's not a James Bond villain. He's not going to suddenly be like, yes, and that's my evil plan and you'll never stop me. You know, I mean, he's going to deny everything. So, I mean, how long is this meeting going to take? I mean, you know, you know, if, if he admitted to it and said, yes, I'm going to do it and you're never going to stop me. Well, then, yeah, maybe maybe then there's going to be some. Well, no, no, this is what was going to happen. You know, oh, that's not going to happen. And, you know, you do that and I'll do this. Well, you do that and we're going to do, you know, I mean, it's not really. I mean, I'm not saying it's not worth meeting with them, but I'm just saying you're not really going to accomplish a lot as far as that goes. Because he'll just deny everything. And what are you going to do? We're not going to give him all the intelligence we have on him because then he'll he'll know what we have, first of all. We'll be showing our hands way too early. And number two, he'll know how we got it. He'll know who we've turned in his administration, who who's leaking information to us, who is a spy. And, and, and I'm sure we have... Uh, I mean, I don't know what it is. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing these things out here. I don't have any information, but I'm just saying, you know, that it, we might have his office bugged or we might have satellites over his house recording information or recording, you know, videotaping him or any number of things that we just don't want him to know that we're spying on him <clears throat> that closely. You know, so there could be any number of things. I mean, I mean, I mean I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not suggesting that we are bugging him, you know, or bugging his office or, or his home or anything. But I'm just saying, if we were, then we don't want him to know, you know, so we can't say, well, you know, you had this phone call, you know, you took this phone call from this guy on this date and when you were at home and here's a transcript of what you said and you're going to deny that to us. I mean, we're not going to do that. So he'll deny it. We know he's lying, but we'll just let it go because we're not going to press him right now on it. He'll accuse us of things. You know, I don't know what, because I don't follow Russian politics that much. He'll accuse us of some things, and Biden will deny it, as he should. And and Putin will walk away saying, I know you did it, but I'm not going to press you on it. You know, it's, it's just this delicate little dance that <clears throat> both sides know the other side is lying, or both sides know each other's lying, but you're not going to say anything to him. You just let him go ahead and, okay, well, I just bring it to your attention, you know. And so I, I don't really understand what the five hours is about. <clears throat> like, what all are they going to be discussing for five hours that they need to negotiate? Um, there might be some trade issues or something, but one one problem that 
the United States has, I mean, and I suppose Biden has because he's the president, is that Russia and China have become very close. They were very close back in the 60s, the 50s and 60s, because they were, they were they were both involved in the Cold War against the United States. They were both communist nations. And <clears throat> the United States was opposed to both of them. And so they kind of teamed up on a lot of issues against the United States. They teamed up against the United States and Korea. They teamed up against the United States and Vietnam. You know, there were a lot of issues that China and Russia were were negotiating together. And that's one of the reasons why Richard Nixon did his, um, well, that's one of the reasons why we didn't go full bore into Vietnam. Uh, we just kind of played around and dropped bombs and things. The reason, you know, because there's a lot of people who are saying we could have won the war if we had really fought it. Well, the reason we didn't really fight it is because we were afraid that China and Russia would back the Northern Vietnamese. They already supported them. And they were giving them some weapons, but if Russia and China send in troops to fight in Viet in Vietnam, it would have overwhelmed the United States. There's no way the United States would have been able to fight off the North Vietnamese and the Chinese and the Russians. So we really didn't want to escalate the war too large. You know, it, it was a dumb. I mean, it was Vietnam War was pretty dumb anyway, because there really was nothing we could do. We weren't going to win the war the way we were doing it, but it was just prolonging the war. But at the same time, if we started dropping massive bombs, if we, you know, if we sent in all of our troops went all in into Vietnam, then Russia and China would have ganged up and either attacked us in Vietnam or they could have attacked us in other places and said, well, the United States is busy fighting that endless war in Vietnam. We'll, you know, we'll take over West Germany or we'll, we'll invade, you know, whatever, Poland or, you know, whatever country. And the United States can't do anything because they're spending all of their money and weapons in Vietnam. So what Nixon did was he brokered two agreements. He went to Russia or went to the Soviet Union, which was the first U.S. president to do that. And then he went to China, or vice versa. He may have gone to China first and then went to the Soviet Union. But regardless, in one year, he did both. And one of the ideas of that was to play both sides against the middle. China, you know, he, he whispered in China's ear about how Russia really can't be trusted. And, you know, and, and we're making friends with you. And we're going to include you in the World Trade Organization. And we're going to do business with you trying to win them over and scare the Russians into thinking that China, China was going to start partnering with the United States. And then he went to the Soviet Union and told them the same things about China. And that made China very suspicious about was Russia going to, you know, betray us and start, you know, what, what's going on over there. And it really tore the relationship between Russia and China apart from one another. So that they couldn't gang up against the United States. And it was effective. And that's one of the reasons why we're so lenient with China now is because Nixon opened that door. If we could become friends with China, then they would less likely attack us and and and, and work with the Soviet Union to to hurt us economically or militarily or anything. And so, you know, we've gone pretty easy on China over the years because we didn't want Russia and China 
to um, become part of an evil empire, you know, where they you know, they uh, have alliances. Well, over the years, our relationship with China has become pretty strained and and with Russia. And so one of the problems that Biden has and the United States has is that Russia and China are now working together on many projects. They've become very close. And there is this fear again that if they can dominate the world, then the United States will become unimportant in the world. And uh, so Biden has to find a way to hold Russia accountable, but not anger them enough that they get into bed with the Chinese, you know, because they are very close and we don't want to make the Chinese too angry either because we don't want them to align themselves with Russia because if the two of them, two superpowers work together, they're alone. Each of them separately can't take on the United States, but together with their huge armies and their military forces and their weapons they could, um, they could really do some damage to the United States. Uh, the nationalism, patriotic part of me says though they couldn't, they couldn't destroy us. But there is a fear that they could do real damage. I'll go that far. I, I'm not going to go as far as to say the two of them could destroy the United States, but they could do some real damage to us and put us in a bad position. <clears throat> so. Biden's got to walk a fine line here. He's not going to go it. You know, everyone's always talking about how Biden's going to take on Putin and he's going to, you know, you know, it's the same reason why Trump wasn't that tough on China and, and, and on Russia. I mean, he was strong, but he wasn't, he wasn't as tough with them as the media wanted. And the media wants Biden to go in there punching and he's not going to do that. He's got to be diplomatic about this because we don't want China and Russia to, um, to collaborate. And this is also, this was something I was going to talk about anyway, but it works out well as a good segue of why Biden proposed this uh, vaccines, vaccines for the world. Uh, this was an attempt, you know, Trump didn't have everything wrong here, but, but right now, um, when he was doing his America first, which I, I kind of agree with, to a large degree, but I understand also the geopolitical reasons why we can't go things alone, why we give funding, why we help out all of our allies, and sometimes we do it at a, at a loss um, because we're building relationships with these other countries. And so Trump kind of turned us inward, saying we need to take care of our own problems, which we do. But while we're doing that, Russia and China, we're doing these roads and belts initiatives. And what that means is they're going through and rebuilding third world countries. They're giving money to, to little nations. They're, they're helping out militarily with, uh, you know, with so small nations that have bullies that are, that are attempting to hurt them, which is what the United States used to do. And during that power vacuum, when, when Trump had us turned inward, they were making inroads to these other countries and building alliances. People saying, well, the United States is no longer helping us we're going to align ourselves with China or with Russia. And that, that has always been our strong suit is that we were the peacekeepers. We were the good, the good guys, the white hats around the world. You could rely on the United States if, 
if Iran or, or North Korea or Russia or China gets too big, the United States will step in and help you. We'll stand up because you can't stand up to those countries. We'll stand up to them and say, knock it off. We help them build their Autobahn, you know, their, their highway system. We help give them financial aid. We give them food. We give them water. We give them medicine. We help them out so that so that these countries are indebted to the United States. So when we need to go to war, like in Iraq or Afghanistan or in World War II, these countries said, we're going to stand with the United States because the United States has always been there for us. We're going to be there for them. And that's how we built alliances around the world. Well, what happened was during those four years, we started moving more inward, trying to take care of our own problems, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but, but it just, we became so focused on that, that China and Russia started taking our place as the big brother, as the, you know, we'll look out for you, the big, the buddy system, you know, we'll look out for you. We'll, we'll help build roads and get, get you jobs and do these things. So what Biden was proposing to do is saying, we're back, America. we're back to the world. Listen, we're going to vaccinate the world. Don't rely on China and Russia anymore. We're going to start taking care of the problems in the world. We're going to start looking out for you, you know, out there in India and in Africa and all these other countries. We're going to make sure that you get what you need. Don't run to Russia or China to help you because they are in, in it for themselves. They are communists. They are. They don't care about anybody. <clears throat> They're just trying to win you over to communism and take advantage of you. We're doing it altruistically. We're not making money off of this. We're losing money. But that's because we love you and we care about you. You know, and yeah, we are, you know, we do want to win them over for democracy and freedom. We don't want them to become communists. True. But but our, our reasoning seems out of compassion, out of love, not out of trying to win them over to a communist idea or to take them over as a nation as Russia and China do, they dangle these things like, like bait on a fish hook. And then when those little countries bite, then they gotcha. You know, like, you know, we got you now. You're hooked. The United States isn't like that. We give them aid and we lose money sometimes. And I know that was a big issue that Trump had is that we're losing money. We're losing money. We're getting all this money to China or to, to South Korea. We're doing all these things for Japan. We're running their military. We're doing all these things and we're losing money. We're not making your money off of it. Well, there was a reason, and, 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 and I agree to a certain degree. I mean, there are certain things like I don't see any reason why Japan can't have their own military now. You know, th there are issues I agree with Trump, but sometimes he missed the big picture that we were sometimes going at it for a, at a loss, but we were building public relations. You know, so we were losing some money, but we were building goodwill that we would need later in a catastrophe or if, uh, you know, if we have to go to war, we can get those people as allies because, because we were there for them when they needed us. And now we need them to help us when we need them. You know? So that is one of the things he's trying to do here is he's trying to – this whole Europe trip is he's trying to bring um, – to make us back players on the world stage. And uh, and that was what the whole um, vaccines for the world thing was about. You know, there's a lot of <laughs> and there's a lot of talk. All these people talking about like a boxing match. I saw this thing like if there was a boxing match between Putin and Biden, who would win? 
and of course, and, uh, you know, I, I know the answer to this, and I think everyone does know the answer to this. As as a patriot, I would publicly say, man, Biden would kick his butt because I'm going to support America. I don't care if I don't like my president. I'm going to support the United States. We would kick Putin's butt. Privately, though, I know I wouldn't be putting any money on that race because I I kind of think Biden would would not be able to go eight rounds with Putin. But yeah, publicly, I would totally be like, man, no, no. United States would totally kick Russia's butt. I don't care who it is. But, uh, you know, it's not it's not much of a race or not. It wouldn't be much of a fight. But um, anyway, I, I support that part of what Biden's trying to do. I do want us to see us be major players in the world stage. Uh, I don't think I, I you know, I, I want to see us bring jobs back to the United States. I don't want us to put other worlds, other countries first, certainly. You know, um, I would have been opposed to it if Biden had said we're going to create uh, vaccines for the world when the United States doesn't have any vaccines. You know, I'm saying, you know, I'm glad that he put America first, made sure that all the vaccines became available. Not everybody has been vaccinated, but most of them now are choosing not to be vaccinated, not because they can't get vaccinations. They've chosen not to. So then he says, OK, now that our people have had adequate access to the vaccinations, then we're going to offer it to the world. I would have been annoyed if he'd offered it to the whole world while we're suffering. But I, I don't see any problem with how he was doing that. I want to see us um, become global partners, but I don't want to see us neglect the United States. I mean, we need infrastructure. We need jobs. You know, we need these things. I don't want to see. And one of the things that really does bother me is that we haven't had a good infrastructure plan in the United States. We are building roads and bridges and and all the and, and all these things for other countries, and yet our own bridges and roads are falling apart. That has bothered me. So I'm glad he's put a, put forth an infrastructure plan. Uh, I don't like some of the price tags and you know some of that stuff, but I'm glad there's a plan before we start building everybody else's infrastructure. We need to build our own. So that part of the Biden agenda I agree with. So, um, but it, it's really interesting. Uh, so, but it is going to be tough because he's got to, we've got to try to pull Russia and China against, not against each other, but, you know, we've got to start pulling them apart a little bit because they're becoming too big of a world power and we can't have that. Um, the United States needs to be the major world power right now. Um, oh gosh, a lot of stories and we're almost halfway through already. Uh, all right. Let me get through some of these real quick. Uh, here's a local story we talked about a while ago. Uh, it's from M Live. Um, vote to keep more staff not being bullied. Township officials say. Uh, this is what we talked about a while ago that there was going to be a vote on the Civil War statue in Ellendale, in which it had a Union soldier and a Confederate soldier standing back to back. Um in a veteran's garden of honor and it, uh, Oh, and there's an enslaved child at their feet because they're both fighting over the fate of this, uh, black child. And there was a big controversy as to whether it should be taken down. I don't know if they were offended by the Confederate soldier, if they were uh, offended because there was a black boy. I'm not really sure because that is kind of what historians say. I don't, totally agree with all of it, but 
our official history has been that we fought the Civil War over slavery, whether man would be free or man would be a slave. Um, so I don't really know how that was offensive to show a, a black child and show that these two are fighting over the fate of this child. I don't see how that's offensive, but anyway, they, um, so anyway, they had a vote and it was a split vote in Allendale. Um, I don't know what that means. It doesn't give me the number. Um, so, um, the statue features a Union Confederate soldier standing back to back with an enslaved child at their feet. The township's memorial came under fire in 2020 as other public statues and symbols of the Confederacy faced renewed scrutiny that springs across the U.S. Uh, the board split a 5-2 vote on Jan June 14th to keep the statue. It wasn't that split. I thought they, I thought they meant it was split evenly. Uh, okay, so they're going to keep the statue. Um... And then the article goes on if you want to read it. Um, I want to get some of the other stories, but uh, I, I, you know, I'm fine with it. I mean, I know it's not everything, but I don't have a problem with it. I don't think it was disrespectful to show a black child there. I don't think it was disrespectful to have a Confederate. That's a historical fact. There were Confederates who were fighting, you know, and I don't understand what else are you going to put there to, to represent the Confederate? You know, if you, you know, you're going to put Robert E. Lee. I mean. They're trying to sit around statues of Robert Lee too. So, how are you going to depict the Civil War by having a Union soldier and a black child? I mean, even in in New York City, they took down a, a statue of Abraham Lincoln with a black child. You know, so you if you just have the Union soldier and the black child, they would still say that's disrespectful. So, I, I'm I, I don't understand the controversy here. Uh, you know. It, if if you disagree with me, please go ahead and say so. Um, but enlighten me. But I don't see what the big deal is. I mean, you may as well take it out of our history books about the Civil War. I mean, I I, I just don't see the controversy here about showing. You know, we're not. There are no Confederates. Michigan was part of the Union. We were part of the Union. We were part of the those who were opposed to slavery. You know, it's not like we have a bunch of Confederate soldiers buried in our uh, in our um, in our cemeteries, and we're putting Confederate flags on their grave and honoring all the Confederate dead that are buried in the cemetery. Uh, it, it, it's a it's a, a Civil War statue showing a division between the the states, represented by the Union soldier and the Confederate soldier. Um, so I, I didn't see any problem with it at the time. I didn't see any controversy, and I'm. I mean, again, I mean, if they took it down, it wouldn't change my life at all. I wouldn't even, it would, I wouldn't even know if I didn't read about it. I wouldn't even know if they took it down. But just personally, I don't see any, I don't see the big deal about it being there. Um, okay, uh, another story. This one from Wood TV Eight. Whitmer bans use of government funds for conversion therapy for minors. Um, and this one actually is. Uh, I, I, I agree with this, even though, okay, I, but I need to qualify it. Um, first of all, I don't think the government should be paying for it. That's the first reason I I agree with it. The government shouldn't be paying for conversion therapy. 
uh, the taxpayer shouldn't. Um, that's the libertarian part of me. It says we shouldn't be paying for it. Uh, the, but you know, she wants conversion therapy banned because conversion therapy primarily is referring to um, uh, a Christian or a straight person trying to convert their child from being LG whatever um, and making them straight, you know. Uh, my version of conversion therapy is, my definition of conversion therapy is anytime a parent is trying to change their child. Okay, you understand what I mean? Like, I don't think kids should be, I mean, I think they should be raised a certain way, but I don't think we should be giving kids hormonal therapy. I don't think they should be getting sex changes. I don't think they should be getting, you know, put into some kind of brainwashing thing. Either way, they're kids. I don't think they should be, you know, forced, forced to, I mean, you can have guidelines. I mean, certainly, you know, forced to be straight. What I mean by that is, you know, taking a psychologist and making them be straight. Um, some kids are, are gay. Um, the parents shouldn't encourage that. I mean, I mean, I mean, depending on the parent, obviously, but I mean, I mean, you know, if they're a Christian, you give them the biblical guidelines. They're not going to be participating in these relationships. Of course, most parents would say their kids shouldn't be participating in any sexual relationships when they're, when they're, when they're minors. I mean, they would tell them, you know, you wait until you're older or you're married, depending on the relationship or depending on the parents. We don't want you doing that when you're a teenager. We want you to focus on school, your education, these kind of things. We don't want you going to parties. We don't want you sleeping around. We don't want this kind of thing. So it wouldn't be a step further if the child was gay to say, I don't want you sleeping. You know, if you're a boy, I don't want you sleeping with other boys. I don't want you doing anything sexual with other boys. You save that for when you're older. Or you save that when you're married or whatever. Um, you know, so, but, you know, to send them to some kind of camp or some kind of therapy where the kids are going to get electroshock therapy or a lobotomy or, you know, or these kind of things or, you know, I don't agree with that. And I don't agree with parents who dress their boys up like little girls and, and give them hormone blockers and things like this. I mean, I'm opposed to any kind of that conversion therapy when they're minors, you know, if, if, you know, if they want to do that when they're adults, if they, if they choose certain things when they're adults, you know, there's not much you can do about it. Um, but when they're kids, I, I don't think parents should be forcing it upon their kids. Now, like I said, a parent can discipline their child or, or not discipline. I mean, have rules for their child and say, look, I don't want you engaging in this kind of behavior. You know, that's, that's totally understandable. But I mean, to send them to some camp where they're being lobotomized or, you know, there'd be electroshock therapy or these kind of things trying to force away the gay out of their system or, you know, or, or punish them for having thoughts that are, you consider immoral or abnormal. I don't agree with that. So I don't think she goes far enough. I don't want government funds being, I actually, I don't want any kids being forced into some kind of conversion therapy, set guidelines for your children. And when they become 18, you know, you hope that you did your best, but when they're minors, 
the parents should not be forcing them into this kind of therapy or or trying to mold I, I don't know what the word would be but you know forcing I guess is the right thing not trying to mold them or help them but when you're forcing them you will not think this way you will not act this way you will conform to what we want you to be you will wear a dress you will go by this name you will you know um you will be punished if you know if you you know whatever if you if you you know i don't know if you speak with a lisp or something you know we're going to punish you you need to act manly or you need to you know so i'm opposed to that conversion therapy for for children um I just think, I mean, if, if, if you're a Christian, I think if you, I'm a Christian, so I'll just say, if you, Jesus is the only way that these people are going to be changed. Um, I, I just don't think any kind of electroshock shock therapy or puberty blockers or anything is going to change them. I mean, it, it might hurt them in the long run, but it's not going to change them. When they turn 18, they're going to be who they want to be anyway, and they're going to resent you for what you did. Um, so anyway, that's my thing about Whitmer. Um, let's see now. GM. See how much time we have here. Okay. It's got about 10 minutes. GM is going to be spending more money on electric vehicles and add two battery plants. This is from Wood TV8 also. So General Motors will raise its spending on electric and autonomous vehicles and add two U.S. battery factories as it gambles that consumers will eagerly switch from gasoline to the new technology. Um, so uh, the announcements Wednesday came as crosstown rival Ford said its entire Lincoln luxury brand lineup would be electric or gas electric hybrid by 2030, including four fully electric cars. Here we go with capitalism. This is exactly the capitalism breeds invention. One company says they're going to do this. Now everyone else wants to jump on the bandwagon and they're going to try to one up each other. And this is how we get progress in this country. So it looks like we're heading toward electric vehicles. We'll still have gasoline vehicles for a while, but we're going to be moving toward it. And, and you know, it, it won't be a long time before gasoline vehicles go the way of VCRs and, uh, you know, the horse and buggy and phonograph records and things like that. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really starting to grow and innovate, which is exciting for me because it seems like we've become very stagnant past 30 or 40 years. Like there hasn't been, there's been slow progressions of technology, but we haven't seen, I mean, in technology like phones, there's been a lot of growth, but as far as cars, we still basically had the same kind of vehicle since we've had since the 70s you know since we started we got rid of the you know the catalytic converters and started doing more uh, fuel efficiency vehicles there really hasn't hasn't been a lot of change in that in you know 40 years since the late 70s so it's kind of exciting to see us start branching out and and hopefully this will create some new jobs and and things i mean it's not we're not going to go completely over we're not going to like overnight go to all the all electric vehicles and you know and all that so it's going to be a slow progression but um it'll be good 
it'll be good because what will happen is we'll start seeing the electric side building up, you know, and so the people who have jobs like in the, in the uh, coal industry and the gasoline industry and oil industry aren't going to suddenly lose their jobs. They'll still be those for a while as we're building up new jobs. And so some of those people will be able to transfer over, you know, if we just suddenly switched over, then you'd have a huge unemployment problem with all these people who, whose jobs were, were on fuel. Now we're going to be out of work. So, so I'm glad we're slowly going to start transferring over. It won't be a huge shock to our system. And, um, you know, so that's going to be great. I'm really excited about that. Okay. Now, um, this one is, uh, from the Hill. Okay. Goodness gracious. I, sorry about that. A GOP Senator says he wants to make Biden a one half term president. This is more of a funny story. Uh, I'm not going to read it. Um, but it's Republican Senator John Barrasso from Wyoming said he wants to make Joe Biden a one-half term president. Um, and I just think it's funny. Uh, his verbiage just, you know, like, it, it, you know, do we need to look at service about this? I mean, what do you mean by you want to make him a one-half term president? I mean, is that a threat? <laughs> or or is he said he wants Kamala Harris to be president? Um, I mean, I read that and I just thought that's just ridiculous. Uh, what he's trying to say, though, is that he wants the House and Senate to go Republican in the midterms so that Biden doesn't accomplish anything in the second term. So he's just president and name only. That's what they mean by half-term president, I guess. It's dumb verbiage. It's really stupid, but, um, and it just sounds dumb. Like I want to make him a one half-term president, but, um, I'm not sure that'll happen. The house might go Democrat. I mean, the house might go Republican. Traditionally it has, uh, Americans don't really like one one person one rule, party rule in Washington. So usually in the midterms, the House flips from you know. So all the Democrat the Democrats control everything right now. So typically the House will flip. In this case, it'll be go Republican so that one party doesn't control everything. It doesn't always happen, but typically that's what it is. And most pundits are predicting that the House will go Republican. The Senate I don't know about. It's kind of a hard one to predict because honestly I really thought that uh, the Senate race was going to be a lot different in the last election there were a number of races that were incumbents were running that uh, it didn't look like they had much of a chance of winning and won so I don't know uh, the media is saying that the Republicans will have a hard time taking back the Senate because of the races that are the Democrats who are up are, are not vulnerable and, you know, and all this. I, I don't know. But they were saying the same thing about two years ago that, you know, it looked like there was going to be a huge blue wave and the Democrats were going to take, they were going to have a super majority in the Senate. And that didn't happen. So, you know, I don't really know what to believe about that um so i don't know but we'll see um we'll see but the truth is they haven't actually got a lot accomplished even controlling the house and the senate and the presidency 
you know, they got a few things early on, but it seems like they just devolved into infighting and nothing really seems to be getting done. So I don't know if it really make much difference either way. Um, so lastly, one of our favorites here, Greta Thunberg is back in an article from the Hill also. And it says Greta Thunberg made fun of world leaders for prioritizing steak and lobster over global, global climate crisis. Well, that's a child for you. While other people are doing the work, she just makes jokes and laughs. I mean, what is she out there doing? Does she do another speech somewhere? I mean, that's really made a lot of impact. As the G7 the Weekend Summit concluded, Greta Thunberg was not pleased that the seven richest leaders of the world were feeding on lobster and steak when she hoped they would be prioritizing conserving the planet. My God. What, did she expect them not to eat? They're supposed to fast the entire time? The young lady took to Twitter to signal her disapproval, sarcastically saying leaders have done a great job spending money on fossil fuels that they earned a steak and lobster BBQ celebration at their G7 resort. Thunberg tweeted, The climate and ecological crisis is rapidly escalating. G7 spends fantasy amounts on fossil fuels as CO2 emissions are forecast for second biggest annual rise ever, Thunberg said. This calls for steak and lobster BBQ celebration while jet planes perform aerobatics in the sky above the G7 resort. Man, she's just mad because she wasn't invited to be the main speaker. Doesn't she take the plane when she comes to America? Well, she take a little sailboat? You know, I mean, come on. She takes a plane when she comes over here, and she's doing celebrations. She went to a dinner at Obama's White House and all kinds of stuff. And Oh, my goodness. She's making out like a bandit. She's not in school. She just spends all of her time traveling around doing all these visits and having nice dinners and everything and then complaints because they're out there doing it. She's just mad because she's not a part of it. Oh, good Lord. Anyway, that's our show for today. I hope everyone has a fantastic week and we'll see you right back here on the Holmes Politicast. Bye, everyone.